Well, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Nidham, and it's lovely to have your company. Now, today, I have got a very special guest. I've got Matt Harris with me, who's the uh, co-founder and the CEO of a brand new initiative, childsafeguarding.com, that's about to be launched only in a couple of weeks from now, on the 30th of this month, June. And it's a service and an initiative that I think the world has been screaming out for in terms of safeguarding our vulnerable children in international schools. Matt, good welcome to you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward about talking about uh, all those wonderful things you just said. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, well, let's get, let's get to it because I think I'd like people to hear. Firstly, if I might, okay, why you thought this was necessary? I mean, I could answer that, but I want you to. What need there is that you've found so far in all the research and development you've done in actual putting the project together and who, who you might think is benefiting from it? And we'll kind of take it from there if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's an interesting history of how we got to this point. And, and before I get into that, but let me, let me talk real briefly about exactly what childsafeguarding.com is. So childsafeguarding.com is an online child protection course geared towards support staff in schools. And I know you said international schools, and that's kind of where we're starting, but really we're looking for a global audience. Now, now, Dave, as you and I have talked about, think about that, think about that learner set. So we're talking about security guards and canteen workers and bus drivers and cleaners, maybe even parent volunteers or front office staff. All schools. It, all, and, all, and all schools have these, right? I mean, and in many places, it's, it's the beating heart of the school are these, are these workers. Hmm. But the challenge with these workers is that they come from such diverse backgrounds that creating a course for them means that you have, to, you have to do a few things. One, you have to make sure that you create a course that um, meets just about any educational background, any literacy level, and um, works in multiple languages. Mm -hmm. So we've taken this subject of child abuse prevention or child protection, and we've created an online course that teaches these skills to these support staff workers in that universal instructional way that because it is universal, we are able to translate it into multiple languages. So this can be done in mother tongue by somebody speaking Chinese or Malay. Eventually, we'll be able to do it in just about any language. And that's, that's what we're offering so that we can take this critical child abuse prevention information and give it to every single adult in the school so that every single adult in the school ostensibly becomes like a CCTV for child abuse. You know, they're able to look and see bad behavior or potential challenges and know what to do with that information, know how to report it so that children are safe, whether they're walking by a bathroom and there's only a single attendant or they're in the middle of a classroom. That's the idea is that every single adult should be um, involved in child abuse prevention in schools. Right? And that's, as, your, as your website says, regardless of language, geography, or literacy. Exactly. Exactly. And what we found, and as you mentioned in the research, is what we found in, in kind of prepping for this is that there are other online courses out there which are hugely valuable for a multitude of sectors related to child protection, but they all require three things. <laughs> Number one, they require English proficiency. They require a certain level of educational background to handle kind of the, the challenging complex topics. And they, they require that you have some experience with e-learning. And that, that could be difficult for any number of learners for any number of reasons. And so what we've designed is something that works for anybody. 
So when the learners actually get on the system, it's a combination of video and some very basic interactions to, to um, not really do assessments of their learning, but to, to have them interact with the content. It's all delivered on the web, so you don't have to have an app or anything special. And when they enter the course, the only thing that they're entering is their name. So they don't have to have an email address and password and all these complex things and have follow-ups. You enter your name and then you mm. press start and it's given to you in your language of instruction, which means we've built the system so that the schools or those that are actually buying the program can hand their learners uh, a QR code or a URL. And within that, it tells the system, okay, this belongs to the school X and it should be delivered in language Y. And that's it. And then so the schools can manage all this. People are certified at the end and it's valid for several years. Yeah. So you've invested, I know you have, because I know we've talked about this, but you have invested an awful lot of time and trouble in, in software development, haven't you? To actually get the, the, the languages correct and get the actual kind of outcome appropriate right. to, to different audiences. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, the thing that we have discovered, and I suppose you know this and I know this, is that if your goal is simplicity, there's a lot of complexity to get there, hmm. right? So hmm. we have, so to create a simple, a simple interactive system for learners and an easy interface for schools and, and vendors and individuals, we've had to do a lot of hocus pocus and magic in the background to make that happen. But the thing that we've always stood on is we want to make this as accessible for learners as easy for schools to, to distribute and manage and make sure it's focused on the needs of the learners so they get this critical information. And I would say that we've accomplished that. Um, it's added a little bit onto our timeline as always has. And um, somebody decided to spread a virus around the world also that kind of, uh, I don't know who made that decision, but that added some complexity to it too. But within those times and within that work, we've actually made it better. We've actually made it more robust and easier to, to um, pause and play the course and interact with the quizzes and use it on a phone. We just, as I, as, um, as I was talking to some of my team today, we've now tested it on uh, something like 15 different browsers and devices and had actual learners do it in multiple languages and it has mm. been successful across the board, which is good. amazing. No, 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 that's good. I, let me just take you two steps back because we've got plenty of time. Just, just two steps back because I just want people who are listening to to realize a couple of things. Firstly, you're not just some bloke that drove a truck that had a good idea. You actually got a background here in education, haven't you? Um, and and I, could you just tell us how you, the, the kind of genesis of the project came to you, how, how you began to sort of think about this? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I have a background in education. I actually have a doctorate in educational leadership. So I've worked with uh, schools around the world in a, an administrative capacity and then also in a, um, in a consultancy, consultant capacity. Um, and typically my work has been around strategic planning and kind of large scale um, initiatives related to technology, which leads to the online piece. And I was actually working in Jakarta in Indonesia at the time when there was a major child abuse incident at one of the other schools. Mm -hmm. And two of the staff members, I, you probably know who they were, were sent mm -hmm. to prison. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of detail, a lot of nuance around that, but it put a major spotlight, especially in Jakarta, around child abuse prevention. And we had a wonderful um, consultant named Chris Gould from 112 Safeguarding come into our school and do a full audit. 
he did multiple levels of training and he, he really helped everybody out on campus. And Chris and I got to know each other pretty well during that time and his subsequent visits. And he and I got to talking about how are they training everybody? Because I, I got to go through the level one, level two, level three training around um, child protection as a, as a senior administrator. But in Jakarta, there are a lot of temporary workers and, and um, you know, um, and support staff that are coming from various backgrounds. And I said, how do you get this complex topic that you just spent four days on with me in the hands of the gardener over there yeah. who's, who's digging, digging whatever and, yeah. and planting plants? Yeah. And he says, well, we've translated it and it's delivered. And I said, oh my gosh, as an educator, that's, that's quite difficult because how do you know that the translation is authentic? There's no interaction. And how do, how do you handle their, their need to kind of, engage with the material how do you know that it's specifically geared towards them and he said well this is the best that we can do and it is more than most schools are doing full stop and so that kind of planted a seed in me and another one of my co-founders and I were talking about e-learning possibilities and we were talking about how to help schools with various things and this one just popped up wait a minute there's a whole set of people within these schools that could benefit from a very simple accessible e-learning program and I called Chris the next day And he said, yeah, absolutely. This would be such a large gap filler for schools who are unable to to say with confidence that every single bus driver understands what to do if they see abuse or every single canteen worker. And so we got to work from there. And as you said, spent a lot of time on building this out. And what you come to realize is taking a complex issue like child abuse prevention and boiling it down into the essentials and still making it worthwhile is actually quite difficult. So Chris and I and our co-founder spent nine months developing the English version of the script. Okay. Now I know Chris, as you know from before, I know Chris, as you know from before, when we worked together, when he was a detective chief inspector in the UK in law enforcement. But that to me was one of the things that made me think this is a good project. This is going to work because essentially the marriage between your background an education and knowledge of that system and Chrissy's background in child protection prevention was like a marriage that was meant to be when it comes to subject specialization and that was the key for me when I was looking at your um, at, at the initiative so I think you know that's what a lot of people must realize is that this is not just something that people want to do or something that sort of a nice man wants to do you know but effectively this is something that professionals are coming together in a professional marriage and actually producing and presenting and i think that's the key for this for me it's actually going to be something that's going to benefit thousands of children that's what we hope well and then again as as we have talked about in the past dave is that it's not that the children are the ultimate beneficiaries they should Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any argument on this. They should be in a safe environment if they go to school. Mm. I mean, to me, that's a full stop. But there are also beneficiaries further up the chain because you're now empowering a set of learners that are typically overlooked when it comes to professional development or training or Mm. involvement in strategic decision making. You're You're telling them you are just as much of an important piece of this of the team responsible for protecting these children as the teachers are, or as the leaders are. That's a huge benefit to these, to these, to these workers and these support staff who really are, I mean, they can be the eyes and ears of these institutions. 
And, and then you're helping the schools out too, because they have an opportunity to say, I have confidence from this child protection expert, Chris Gould, and the delivery that child safeguarding is doing, that what is being said in Indonesian or in Chinese or in whatever is the same thing I'm saying to my teachers in English, yeah. right? Yeah. That's hugely beneficial. No, I get it. I get it. And, and Matt, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, other, the other side of it, too, I think people ought to realize is the nuances, if you like, of this. It's not just saying A, B, C, D, don't do this, you know, look out for this. The, the, the teaching does instill in, as you say, hundred, you know, people. Some of these big international schools have got hundreds of ancillary staff that never have had exposure to this kind of training before. But effectively, it's talking about, for me, when I did training for schools in the UK, two of the big areas that we always kind of had as umbrellas were one was assumptions and the other was values. Assumptions in the sense that everybody makes an assumption when you meet somebody or see a situation, and often that's not exactly what's going on. And secondly, values, in other words, the luggage that each individual brings with them to the table, their own personal history that has influenced how they see the world. And that has to be remembered too when you're you know, dissecting a situation. And this seems to have been built into your training as well in the fairly comprehensive way that you've done it. But if I might say not, 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 not intellectually simple, but simple in the sense of straightforward. So, I mean, I think that's something that I, I, I was quite impressed with. Thank you. Yeah, we again, what we've been trying to do is create accessibility. So we've we've built the system um, to from an instructional perspective to teach through a combination of video and, as I said, some interaction. So we have five parts to the system, which cover all of the bases in kind of a straightforward fashion. So we talk about what child protection is and why it's important. We go over five different types of abuse, all of which are observable. So we're not talking about cyber abuse or grooming. We talk about sexual abuse and physical abuse, neglect, mm -hmm. emotional abuse. And we actually do include bullying as well because the peer-on-peer -peer piece is also very important. We then talk about what, um, what causes a concern. So we're giving them that functional piece. And then at the end in part five, and I'll, I'll come back to part four in just a moment, we, we give them reporting instructions and we tell them who to report to. And we built the system in such a way where the schools can put their own bespoke reporting information. So if you work at Singapore School X, I'm in Singapore, and there's a designated safeguarding lead named, you know, Dave Niven, it'll say, report your concern to Dave Niven. Here's his email address. And that goes with them. Yeah. And then we realize kind of to your point that the, the backgrounds of our learners are going to be so vast and their experiences are going to be so vast. And what we're finding is with a lot of cultures globally, Many of them haven't even talked about child abuse as something that is something that needs to be accounted for or negative. So we added a fourth section into this, which was um, how adults should behave. So we spend all the other time of actions they need to do to take care of the kids. And then we talk to them about how they should act around the children themselves. And so we say things like, don't go into the wrong toilet and don't bring sexual materials onto campus. Don't take photos. So we're giving them kind of a, a well-rounded understanding of they're responsible to look at others, but then others are also going to be looking at them, um, which, which creates, again, this overall kind of CCTV bubble of, of observation around the entire campus. Yeah. I mean, we know from our own personal histories um, in, in, in working that every school will probably have a, a fire safety plan. 
um, that people will absolutely think is, is completely intrinsic to the needs of the school. And so child safety plans uh, in terms of um, potential abuse really ought to be the exact same. The same road safety is, is intrinsic to families, but child safety still has to get to be established on that level, I find. So, I mean, th this will help hugely, I hope. I would think so. And then using that analogy as well, if you were doing a fire safety plan at the school, would you ignore the, the, the cleaner and not mm. tell that person how to pull the fire alarm or where the fire extinguishers were? No, no. Of course you wouldn't. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And so that's the need that we're filling is ensuring that every single cleaner and canteen worker or even volunt parent volunteers or relief teachers that come on campus know exactly where the child protection um, fire yeah. alarm is, basically. To tell me this though, Matt, I, I mean, it's interesting as much as anything, uh, and people will probably ask this. I mean, I, I did quite a bit of work with Interpol back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things, obviously, that had to be factored into anything was the law of that individual land mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, like, you know, what was illegal, what was not illegal, what was, and so on. Has that been an issue for you in, in actually putting this together? Yes, it has. And even further to that, there's, there's a cultural element. Because as I mentioned, many people will come from cultures that are differed, differing from everybody else's culture. Um, and so we have actually stripped those elements out of the course. We don't talk about the UN rights of the child. We don't talk about police responsibilities. We merely talk about the culture of the school. So this is tied to your employment and working around children related to the school. So within that environment, within that bubble, it's, it's incumbent on the school to understand the legal ramifications. It's not incumbent on these, these um, employees. So what we have told them to do is it's not their job to judge what is or is not child abuse. That's not their role. Their role is to report what they have seen to the people that make those judgments and understand the laws. That is a part of their employment. So we, we really talk about them observing and delivering information as, as their role within the team rather than being experts of the specific conditions of any one particular environment. One thing also struck me, and I suspect people will be wondering, is that um, there could be hundreds of ancillary staff, which is much different to maybe some of the, a lot of the schools that I, I mean, I've come across in the UK, you know, where you're talking mainly just about, for example, catering staff and janitors and so forth as the ancillary staff. I mean, there could be hundreds of staff in some of these big international schools that, um, you know, have all sorts of very small jobs. But how would you ensure that they all had access to be able to do an online course? So what we recommend to schools, so I think you're, you're, you're talking about a couple of things. You're talking about the, the physical access to a device or to mm. the internet to make sure this happens. That's one element. The other one is ensuring coverage for all of the people that are walking onto campus. And we, we've accounted for both. So first, in the design of the course, it works web-based on just about any platform that we've seen. We haven't found one where we've had an issue. And it works at multiple internet environments. So there is a possibility that somebody with kind of a, a low internet connection on an older phone can do this in their own home. Mm -hmm. We've made suggestions though to schools to make this easier and more valuable to, or more important to the staff that maybe they, they bring people in 
and use some of the school supported devices and mm-hmm. just do it over a, an after school program or, or a lunch session or something. It's about a 60 to 90 minute course. So it doesn't take forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we have, we have tried to fall on this notion of accessibility and removing as many hurdles as possible for the staff themselves. Now that said, we've also built things into the way the course is delivered so that it is easy to manage and support and not overly onerous to the schools or to the vendors. And there's a couple things we've done. Number one, um, we, have, we have two different classifications of organizations. So you're either a school who would have reporting information in your own safeguarding team or whatever, reporting information within the school. And we have a category called vendors. So bus companies or security companies or, or catering companies, as you were talking about. And what happens is that the schools that purchase the course or use the course deliver their own reporting information to their own employees. Very simple. You, you hand them out codes, they get onto their own devices or the school sponsored ones and they go. But if I'm, a, if I'm working at a, a, a catering service, I too can buy the course on my own separate from the school, but I can use the school's information. So I can connect to the school use their information, but the, the cost and the management of that goes on to the catering company. Mm-hmm. So schools are not responsible for checking every single human being that comes in. What they can say is, you need to ensure within your contracts with these people that this is done. Use our information and make sure. And then when they do that, both the school and the catering system will see who has taken and completed the course. The last thing that we've done to ensure some validity and ensure kind of protection of the integrity of the course is that every single person that completes the course gets a certificate of completion. And on the certificate of completion, it obviously will say that the learner's name and the organization they're connected to and validity and all of those. Um, But it has a serial number on it and a QR code. And that serial number is tied specifically to that certificate. So at any point, you could put this code in the front page of the website that says verify certificates, and it will tell you what information is in our database. And it will see that it matches or doesn't match. So people can't go out and just create, uh, you know, Photoshop no, a whole no, bunch I, of I think, I think that's work. pretty good. That's pretty good, Matt, because people will be interested in the integrity of the certification. That's right. Uh, and, and that's so if you've actually got that done, that's pretty, that's pretty important, I think. Because as you say, there will be people that will attempt to, to pretend that they've been certified and use Absolutely. that for nefarious purposes. That's right. Okay. No. You, can, you can verify all of them. That's that's what we want. Right. Yeah. Let me let me follow up a little bit, okay? Because um, I know this is something you've talked to uh, Chris Gould about in terms of his organization, and that, to my mind, is follow up. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's fine, you know, doing this training and and bringing all these extra eyes and ears uh, of protection um, to the front, you know, in terms of actually looking after children, but. There will need to be follow-up sometimes. There will need to. There will be, unfortunately, there will be events, you know, circumstances, incidents, call them what you like, where people will be involved, and the school will have to actually manage that the way through. It's not so. It's not just a case of somebody recognizing something. There could be, well, you know, police activity. Goodness knows what else. And Chris Schools, I know, is working, going to work with you in offering follow-up uh, activity, whether it's investigations or whether it's supervision or whether it's, um, you know, general policies putting together for the schools to actually maintain the, the system of protection. Do you want to say just a little bit more about that? Because, you know, the 90-minute course is great, 
but there there needs to be like anything else it's a bit like antibiotics you know sometimes you need to take the whole course don't you that's right well and the other thing that is pretty clear and it's something that we've we've been saying to most of the people we've talked to is that this is not the answer this is one element of an overall program it's one element of an overall training program it's one element of an overall child protection program um and what we have found is that there's such variation in what people need or understand in terms of child protection in general. So what Chris and I have been working on, especially during this COVID-19 crisis where we've had a lot of time at home, is creating kind of ancillary materials and systems that we'll put in place to help support those, to support people beyond just this training. Now, what we've created so far is an overview of child protection in schools. So if you're coming to this from any number of experience levels with, with child protection, you can come onto the site and see an overview of, okay, well, I need to deal with physical security and I need to deal with documentation and I need to deal with training. And it just gives you a general idea of what comprehensive child protection looks like at a school because that's, that's kind of a starting point. Um, we also, in development of the course, realized that we are saying to schools or we're saying to these learners to report their concerns to a supervisor, to another adult employee of the school, or using, you know, Dave Niven or whatever the, the bespoke information is. But as you read that, it kind of presupposes that the supervisors know how to handle a report. Mm. So what we've created is a reporting guide for supervisors that we have translated in all the languages that the course will be available to. And we're just gonna continue adding on to those resources so people can come into childsafeguarding.com and be able to be directed to the resources they need. And our hope is beyond the resources that we're creating, we can also connect with other child protection experts in the field who have specified skills to deal with crisis management or auditing or all these things. So we're hoping to put together um, basically a call list for schools to go and have their, their questions answered or have, their res to, or have resources provided for them so that they are able to meet this need of protecting kids. Um, and it is a work in progress, but it, it's the goal to let childsafeguarding.com really be a one-stop shop for what you need for, for safeguarding kids. No, I, 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 I kind of knew that, but I wanted you to say it, <laughs> if you see what I mean. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that I, I know it was your ambition to make child safeguarding, or at least the website to start with, if you like, a shop window, you know, or a kind of a library of resources, if you want to put it like that, that can actually complement the work that's already been done, whether by yourselves or whatever. So whether it's materials, you know, like books or videos or games or whatever for children or whatever, or whether it's like more heavy end investigations and experts yeah. that can be brought in or consulted. So, yeah, absolutely. So tell me where you're at now, Matt. We're kind of coming close to the end, but, I mean, a couple more questions, please. I mean, what's the launch kind of plan and, and how are you going to do it and how are you going to let people know and, and how could they, they find out? So um, we are very close to launch. We're in the final stages of testing the system right now, and we're trying to be very robust about that so we don't put it in front of some, somebody and then have a problem. But our, uh, we're now doing an official webinar launch on June 30th, 2020, which is about, well, about 13 days away at the time of this recording. 
And at that time, we will give people an overview of the system. We'll talk to them about um, course capabilities and languages and future plans. Um, so hopefully, Dave, we can share some of that information out here. And then we're hoping to get people on the system in early July. That's the plan is really get it out there because it's an ideal time for kind of northern hemisphere schools as they're cleaning up from COVID and doing prep work for the coming year. It's perfect time to take the support staff through this course. Um, so yeah, we're, we're raring to go now. It's, it's real, it's live, and we're ready to go get people on the system. Good. Well, I mean, this, this podcast is going to be scheduled to go out within the week before the launch. So hopefully, you know, that will remind people. But also, I think, to be fair, I, I'll get from you before we go, you know, I'll to put on the front page of the podcast all the details that people might need as well to remind them about what's happening. Okay, look, final question, Matt. Okay, final question. You, you, you've got a long run in you've had to do this, to prepare for this and to plan it. And I know like anything else, you've had your lumps and bumps and goodness knows what else in terms of preparation and planning. And now you're almost there and tuned up to go. You've had quite a lot of endorsements, I believe, too, from the professional education community as one. And... Um, would that be something that's very important to you? Because I, I, I think I always remember that I would trust more uh, initiatives if I realized people that I knew had put their faith in it. Yeah, absolutely. It, and that really has been what we've been doing from the start. So um, about a year ago, before we really started ramping up on the production of the system, we did a, a proof of concept. So we took uh, a kind of bare bones version of the course and we filmed it. Uh, we put it in front of some learners and then we sent it out to a number of child protection experts, professionals in the fields, to schools. And we asked them some open-ended questions of would this have value? Would this be something that, that, you, would, that you would see in needing in the, in the school community for the learners? Like what's the value you've come out of this? And the response was overwhelmingly positive. Um, we had professional organizations tied to the International Task Force on Child Protection coming back to us and saying, there's nothing like this, and you are going to help so many students. Please, please make this available. We mm -hmm. had endorsements from a couple of major accrediting agencies of schools who go out and look specifically for child protection challenges. We had um, potential clients, that, and I'm talking about schools and school heads and schools groups, that said, we would, we would buy this tomorrow because we need this and we don't have the ability to do this in those mother tongue languages. But the kicker for us in wanting to do this was hearing from the learners themselves. And that was fascinating because we, we took some typical learners and, and sadly they could only do it in English at the time, but we had them run through this kind of bare bones version of the course. And then we just, we had let them talk about it. And the words that were coming out from them were fascinating. We had one, one cleaner that was in her 70s who um, informed us that she was unable to uh, SMS or WhatsApp her daughter successfully. But she was able to get through the course. And because of what she knew from reading the local newspaper, she said, this is one of the most important trainings I've ever had. This is hugely important. We had a teaching assistant who had had live training in English from somebody that had a rather thick accent. And she said, I sat there for 45 minutes and I don't really know what he talked about. But now that I've seen this, I know exactly what's important and what I need to do. We had another woman who um, was, an, was a um, support staff member who actually had a master's degree. And she said, 
yes, the course is, is a little bit low, lower than my learning level, but one thing I didn't know that I was empowered to do was to report my concerns because I've seen things in my, and I think she had been at the, the particular school we were working with for 11 years. She had said, I've seen many things. I didn't know I was supposed to be reporting them. Okay. And then I, we had one that was from um, a native Malaysian speaker. And we said, and he was very excited about taking the course. He felt very proud. He was very excited. And then I asked him, I said, if we did this in Malay for you, what, what would that do? And he almost started crying. He said, nobody has taken the time to translate important information or give me any training in my mother tongue language. And now I believe, I believe so valued. Yeah. You've done it into 14 languages. Is that right, Matt? Well, we're going to have about five or six languages at entry, but we have uh, another 10 to 12 in the pipeline that will be available over, over the, the coming really, months. That's really, really, really good. Yeah. Well, so look, if listeners have a specific language that they want, please contact me and we can, uh, we can discuss getting that into the system. Well, we'll have the details, as I said, on the, uh, the front page of the blog. Well, look, Matt, we've, we've come to the end of our time now, and um, I am sure... I think as eggs is eggs, as they say, that we will be back in touch with you and see how it goes. Because um, like you say, it's, a, it's not something you can't conquer the world overnight. Um, but I'd love to see how you're getting on. And um, so, Matt Harris, thank you ever so much for being my guest today. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future and wish you all the very best with your new initiative. Thank you so much, Dave. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you.